Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We are, what, a full week now into the shutdown on all sports. Uh, Stir crazy, I think, would be an understatement at this point. Mike, have you come up with anything to help prevent yourself from just melting away into the couch? Nope. I am going insane. I'm going stir crazy is the perfect way to do it. Uh, perfect way to describe it. I'm going crazy. My new hobby is um, you feel any little tightness in the chest, any little little tickle in the back of your throat, and you instantly think, boom, I got I got the, the deadliest plague going around the world right now. I'm going to die. I'm just eating. I mean, yeah. I've, I've been to the gro- you're not supposed to go to the grocery store like you do their one run or whatever, and you're supposed to be good for two, three weeks. I'm having to go all the time because I want some fresh food and I eat that literally immediately and cannot stop eating because all I'm doing is staring at the fridge. Whenever I go to the grocery store, I go in like I like I, I go in and act like I am infected. Like I go in and I like don't I try and like keep to myself uh, anyone coming near me. I like steer clear just like just. It's it's crazy it's crazy times right now. Like the fact that we're doing this over over Skype or Zoom or whatever you want to call it, it's nuts. The key for the grocery store is to go with like a half hour left before it closes. Mm-hmm. You get you know it's usually pretty light in there. Uh, it's picked over a little bit, but you should be able to get what you need to get. But let's get into something a little bit more uh, you know why we're here type of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've come up with something. You know we're clearly not reinventing sports analysis with this. Uh, but it's something we can sink our teeth into and hopefully provide some entertainment to those looking for something to chew on themselves. We are going to grade each Maple Leafs player on their season to date or potentially in totality to form a power rankings of sorts. Now, the key is that the ranking is relative to their abilities. So that way, the list should lend itself to some better debate. And it's not just, you know, you know, the top of the food chain on down until Cody CC and Martin Marengin. Um So... I guess we got to start with our A's. Is there anything else you want to, like, in, in terms of your process, do you want to uh, tell me before we dive into this? Because we have not compared lists just yet. No, we're doing this all with the element of surprise. And I think what we should go over some criteria, I think, before we do this. So, like, personally for me, I rated, I, I didn't, I, I tried to keep in mind um, tenure on the team. Like, I tried to, you know, like, I didn't, I didn't rank guys like Timothy Lilligren, for example, because he didn't play enough for like guys like Nick Batan or whatever but I did you know rank some of the other guys um I realized that I included Dmitry Timoshov even though he's not on the team anymore so that's that's cool um but also uh I I, I have a scale that uh yeah I think we're pretty we'll probably be pretty much the same I just give like a plus pluses to some people and that's about it 
A plus pluses. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm a generous teacher. You know, schools are out. We need to give report cards, so let's let's do it. Since I don't have an A plus plus, I will let you lead with your A plus plus. Uh, Austin Matthews. I mean okay. No shocks right there. Guys, you know, on pace to set to make history is 80 points. I think with with all the goals that he scores, we kind of tend to forget like the guy just produces points too. Like he has 80 points right now and the season was, you know, we we're just entering March really by the when the season wrapped up. Like that's insane. He he's a superstar. He's earning every little bit of his of his contract in a year when, you know, some like a lot of the big name guys were kind of struggling to do that. He's he he emerged as like he was always the franchise face, but he emerged now as like the definitive like this, the the buck stops with him. He's a good two way player now. He really expanded that way. I uh, yeah, Austin Matthews tips my scale or uh, tops my scale. It's not tips it tops it on uh, the grading. I have Austin Matthews as an A. He's my second highest rated player. Uh, you're right. Wow. He's he's turned into again. This is relative to their ability, so let's let's keep that in mind with at least what I'm doing here. Uh, league best thirty goals at five on five. League best thirty five goals at even strength. The thing with Matthews, and the only reason why he's not an A plus, is because forty percent of the time he has been an A plus, which is not just one of the most dominant goal scorers in the game, but coupling that with truly elite two way work as well. Sixty percent of the time, I think he's been an A minus, which is just one of the most dominant goal scorers on the planet. But this year, we really were learning what he was capable of in a season that wasn't shortened by injury. Unfortunately, we won't see you know that play out in totality. Uh, but he is on the verge of establishing himself as the best goal scorer in the game, if not the best goal scorer in the game already. Uh, he's clearly that at even strength because no one scores like he does at even strength. And, and it's uh, just one more step in, the, in his growth. And if he continues on a linear path, he's going to be something scary for sure. How did I know you're going to be the tougher teacher? How did I know you're going to be the tougher marker? I feel like you're going to be the tougher marker at the end, but I'm a little bit more reluctant to give the high, high marks. So you're, you're, yeah, you're very much like, you know, we're going to keep everything kind of in the middle. Like everyone's, you know, the grade variation aren't too crazy. I'm trying to pass everyone. Yeah, I'm, uh, I have my favorites. Let's just put it that way. Do you, um, have, do you have any more A plus pluses? No, Matthew's my only A plus plus, but my next, I have two other A pluses. Okay, who's your and first then we, A plus? Uh, William Nylander. Okay. Um, the guy, I mean, if you want to put context in here, like, it's not even the fact that, like, he, I feel like everyone kind of, or at least his his greatest supporters thought this was as good as he, or this this was a ceiling that he could hit. You know, he he's already passed 30, uh, he's already passed, you know, 30 goals, and he's only played, you know, roughly, you know, 60-something games or 70-something games of the season. Um, but he just looks more engaged every night. And context-wise, I mean, like, this guy was one of the most bashed Leafs in recent memory, probably since Phil Kessel from last year, um, due to his uh, due to his contract stand, uh, holdout and then his his struggles to start the year with you know missing thirty something games. He's come back and he has shut every single person up, every single one of his critics up. He has produced every single night. He's scoring. He's assisting. He's doing everything you could possibly ask for this guy. He's barely taken any penalties. He's got twelve penalty minutes on the year too, so he's not putting his team in, in, in a bad position, which I know is you know like is not a crazy uh, thing to judge someone on, but like that's that's important, especially for a team like the Leafs who need to get their power play going all the time. Um, yeah, Nylander has just he has he has met every expectation and exceeded it. He's you know, shut up all his critics. Like you don't hear anyone talking crap about William Nylander on Twitter these days. Um, yeah, he's just that that's a plus territory for me. He's an A minus for me. Uh, I had him at an A originally, but I couldn't put him on the same level as Matthews. I'm bell curving this just a little bit. Uh, he vowed to be dominant and he has been 31 goals and 59 points. 
Uh, he's he would set career marks across the board uh, very very shortly, but he's played obviously far fewer games, and it, 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 unfortunately he may uh, end up being just short of that. I'd say that he has added two elements to his game, but looking at his numbers, the takeaway giveaway ratio with him was always in his favor, and it's probably something that he never really got enough credit for. Uh, but what he's certainly added is net as a net front presence to his game. That's where he's scoring the majority of his goals. And he was on a path to have such a great season in terms of scoring. He did have a great season in terms of scoring. Uh, so it's too bad that we are at the point where he's going to miss, you know, about 10 games or so. Yeah, it is. It is a tragedy. Like he has put together a career best season. He's become the player that everyone or at least his most ardent supporters expect him to be. And now it's literally like all the sports got canceled. Like it's it really is a shame. Okay, do you have any other A-pluses? My last one, and I, I, I have a feeling that he's going to be high up on your list too, but it's someone I've been jazzed about all year, Justin. Okay. It's Zach Hyman. Yeah, he's my only A-plus. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad. Wow. So even even the, the hard marker and the easy marker both got it right. He's been that good. Yeah, I mean, again, this uh, the way I was looking at it was relative to their capabilities and who made the biggest jump in terms of impact, at least from a goal-scoring standpoint and a point production standpoint. I think it's Zach Hyman. I mean, he's already matched his career high in goals, just four points off his career high in just 51 games, and this offensive breakout is coming on the heels of having reconstructive knee surgery. Uh, it truly has been remarkable, and... I wondered at the beginning under Sheldon Keefe when he took over from Mike Babcock if Zach Hyman was a fit, if it was going to be all about puck possession and maintenance of, and maintaining the puck and and making you know the necessary moves and having the skill set to do that. I thought it might be a problem, but he's settled in unbelievably well under Sheldon Keefe. Now, one thing is that he's shooting 20%, which is wildly unsustainable, but the expectation with him should be that he's a higher than normal shooting percentage because if it is an, an empty net he's shooting at, the shot is likely coming from inside four feet. So uh, the way that he's incorporated a scoring touch to his game, and it's not just all in empty netters, and the way he's maintaining everything else that he does, uh, he receives top marks for me in terms of what he's done within his capabilities and the jump or the continued jump he continues to make at this level. Yeah, the guy the guy tore his ACL, played on it, came back, like I think pretty much on schedule, maybe even a little bit earlier, and got like demonstrably better than he's ever been. Like he's playing the best, he was playing the best hockey of his life up until, you know, when the world shut down. And this is, and this guy straight up had to get his knee reconstructed. Like you said, it's incredible. Like he's, this is, this is, I'm shocked that more people aren't talking about this, what Zach Hyman is doing, like uh, league wide. He, like, again, he tore his ACL and came back even better. Like, and oh, go on. No, go ahead. Uh, it's just like you rarely see that. You usually see guys who come in. Like, think about it. Willie, look how much William Nylander struggled when he missed training camp, and exactly. he missed a couple years uh, uh, games in the season. Zach Hyman did pretty much the exact same thing, and he came out and he has been playing the best hockey of his career, uh, hockey uh, uh, good enough hockey to make him a core part of the Leafs, opposed to just a, a very good supporting player. Um, this is this is an incredible showing from him. He's if anyone on this list outside of the out of Austin Matthews has earned an A plus. That's that's Zach Hyman. The uh, I was I was kind of surprised to see that the relative underlying numbers with him aren't amazing, but there's also tons of data pointing to him being the guy who makes everyone else or the best players on the on the team perform at their best. So uh, for me, Zach Hyman just has had the most outstanding year in terms of what he's capable of, and that says a lot when Austin Matthews is on the path to 50 goals and potentially breaking Rick Vives' record. 
He's the anti, like we, we've talked about this before. He's the anti Nikita Zaitsev. Like every single pairing or player that gets put, that gets put with him instantly becomes one of the best on the Leafs. And that was this, like Nikita Zaitsev brought everyone down. Zach Hyman like demonstrably brings everyone up. He's earned this grade for sure. Do you have anyone else that got an A from you? An A? Yeah, I have two. Um, no, I have one. I'm going to change. I'm going to change one on the fly. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I realize that I'm being a little more generous there, but Jake Muzzin got an A for me, just a flat A. Yeah, he's my last. He's my last in the A. He's an A minus match with William Nylander. Yeah, I mean this guy is the like the pillar of the defense. Uh, you can see how much they struggle when he went out. He kind of does everything that you need a defense like you need a modern age defenseman to do, where he adds that sort of sandpaper and the defensive responsibility, um, and like the shutdown mentality with also a little bit of uh, offensive flair and some possession and like he just he does everything you need. He's also a phenomenal voice in the locker room. Got a sweet beard that adds points right there. So that boom a. Yeah, he's an indispensable piece. I think that was proven this season. His leadership uh, is undeniable, as you mentioned. Uh, We've seen on multiple occasions moments this year where he's completely changed the trajectory of a game. That is both a talent and an intangible thing. He just has that ability and not many players do, certainly on the Leafs' back end. Uh, He has missed uh, 17 games this year, and the Leafs only have eight wins in those 17 games. There are five regulation losses only, so it's kind of a little, uh, maybe a bit skewed in that regard. But every pairing that he's on seems to work. Uh, the numbers aren't going to be spectacular with him, but you have to recognize the load that he's dealing with every night because he's really the workhorse on the back end in terms of facing the most difficult matchups. And for that reason, he's definitely earning an A. Absolutely. There's a reason why like the Leafs, uh, you know, really, really tried hard to resign him and did. Like they view him as a, a key piece in the future and they could have easily, you know, realized that either, you know, his his price was going to be too high. There's there was cap uncertainty, everything like that, and kind of let him walk, especially because he's one of the uh, one of the older guys on the roster. But they said, no, we need this guy. We need to keep him around the locker room, keep him around the players. He uh, my my the thing that really pushed him into the not even a minus but a category for me is after the game against Pittsburgh. Um, where the Leafs got absolutely uh, just, or I think it was, was it Buffalo or Pittsburgh? I think it was Pittsburgh, where the Leafs got absolutely embarrassed. Jake Muzzin came out and he said, this is embarrassing. People need to step up. We all need to step up. And then the next game he came out, he put up three points, you know, had some hits, uh, uh, was just a, just a dominant, maybe his best game as a Leaf. And that is, that is what a, like a, a, a rel- relatively speaking number one defenseman does is he, you know, he's, he calls, he calls his teammates out, then he walks the walk and talks the talk great job you earned your a go home show this to your parents get a little prize it'll be great 100 percent. although <clears throat> i don't think he's really worried about uh that's a good thing with him too is it's part of his ethos or whatever he's not worried about his ranking he just does he just goes out does his job he's not mm-hmm. looking for he doesn't care about the stats and i think the leafs would be maybe a little bit better of a team if it wasn't all about stats but maybe that's my uncle coming through again uh <laughs> who was the guy that you dropped from the a category on the fly there El Capitan, uh, John Tavares. Really? Okay, I had him. At, I had him as an is, A minus. That is going to be our major, major. Uh, d- uh, oh, really? Point, I guess yes. I had him as an A minus because you look at the numbers and they're very good, and you realize that he's probably been playing through that that uh, finger injury for most of the season. He seems to be doing pretty well. But you know what? When I really rack my brain, when I really look back and I think, you know, what were these? Where, where like John Tavares 
last season had these dominant games. Like you remember them. You remember the, a lot of these games that Tavares scored in or he, where he put up a hat trick in Chicago and stuff like that. And I can't really remember or I can't really think of right now a lot of those dominant games this season. And he just he's been he's been good. But when you're making 11 million dollars, you kind of have to be more than good. And so B plus might even be a bit a bit generous here. Um, but he's still he's, he finished with 26 goals. I think he had uh, yeah, 26 goals, 60 points in 63 games. Not terrible. He's not shooting exponentially high. You know, he's logging 20 minutes a night. I mean, that's B, that's B plus territory, but it's still, it's, it's not as high as he should be. Uh, John Tavares for me is a C, not for captain, Whoa. just a C rating. Uh, listen. What? This is the thing. If we're talking, if, <laughs> Whoa. We're, if we're rating them, we should be taking into account what they did last year. John Tavares centered one of the best lines in hockey last year. He hasn't been even close to the dominant force he was last year. His scoring rate has declined at a pretty significant level. He is just not the five-on-five monster he was last season. I'm not going to give him great marks for having a significant dip, I think, in his overall play. You know what? Like, your your argument makes sense. Like, it, you know, it could have gone either way for me on this. Like, there's a reason why I, I dropped him down, and I might even, like, I, I, I could drop him down right now even more to, like, a B and not feel bad about it. But I just think, you know, he's a... Uh, like you can't, I, I just don't think you can put a, you can give someone a C who, who, you know, is, is almost a point per game player. Like he's a center, he's a point per game player. He's a staple of the power play. He's the captain, a leader. Like he, he, he's part of, um, William Nylander's offensive resurgence. Like you, you have to kind of factor those in, don't you? Yeah, I think I did factor it to be honest. Like I, I, maybe he could have gone into the B territory, but like, again going on relative to his abilities and what he did last year and what he's proven that he can do uh i think it's been a pretty disappointing season he's also missed time so he's you can't really take that away from him but it's a factor to his overall package this year i just don't think this is what they paid for necessarily to so to give him a spectacular grade or you know a a this is sees obviously a passing grade it's hard to this is very you know these you know, it's just, we're just throwing numbers at the table or letters, I guess, out there, but it doesn't, uh, I don't think that we should be lavishing much praise on his performance this year. So I, I put him sort of right in the middle. You, like I said, you can't argue with that. Like he, this is, he's an enigma this year. He could really go either way. So yeah. Um, do you have anyone else, uh, who else is in your B category? I guess your upper B category. Okay. I've got, uh, four B. I have four B pluses. So this is All my, right. this is uh, guys that have exceeded expectations. That's exactly what this group is for me. Guys that have exceeded expectations. How many B pluses do you have? Other than Tavares, I got one more. Okay. Who is it? And then maybe it's Jack Campbell. It. Yeah. Jack Campbell is also a B plus for me. Good. He, I mean, one more is to say, like he came in, he, he gave the Leafs a chance to win every night. He, you know, it, it might've been a, a, you know, good timing that he came in when Frederick Anderson was struggling, but he really made a legitimate conversation happen about whether or not he should be taking some of his starts. He's exactly the backup goalie everyone needed. When you factor in context, he is a, he is worlds ahead of what they had before him. Absolutely. B plus. Yeah. B plus. He's been really good in all of his starts. He either won or gave his team a chance or multiple chances to win. Uh, he only wound up with a 3-2-1 and one record in his six starts. So, I mean, that's obviously not spectacular. Uh, but plus backup goaltending, a plus human being. It's the first time in a long time that the Leafs have not had to worry about that position. Two of those losses were losses in which, like, the Leafs went, I think it was over 15 minutes in a period without a shot. Like, it was once yeah. against against the, the Habs and then another against the Sharks. Like, that, you know, the, he he gave the team a chance to win and he performed really, really well. 
Yeah, like you, you. That's that's the definition of a B plus. Not good enough to get in the A's. Like he's not a world beater or anything, but just the most solid. You know, dependable. Throw him between the pipes. You have a fighting chance every single night. Boom, Jack Campbell, B plus. Yeah, if his team in front of him uh, gave him anything, I think he would have been uh, up in the A category just on that small sample. Another mm-hmm. B plus for me is Jason Spezza, uh, hanging by a thread for essentially all that was left of Mike Babcock's tenure. It's sort of remarkable that he's still here. Uh, nine goals and 25 points in 58 games. That's obviously not spectacular. Uh, he was going to hit double-digit goals and 35 points. And actually, it's unspectacular, but it's probably more than I think most people expected. Obviously, he's in a far-depth role, and he's kind of moving around the lineup, not in the lineup on all nights. Uh, but what seems to be saving him from father time, and I think what was really a surprise is that his skating ability hasn't fallen off like I think most people expected. It hasn't been hasn't been a big issue at all, and I think it's allowed him to be a versatile tool and something that's been extremely useful for the Leafs, making only $700,000. I mean, in terms of like what he's delivered on the dollar, uh, it's easy to put him in a B-plus position for me. Yeah, he's a B for me, just like a solid B. I think he's been one of the best stories of the year so far. And the thing, yeah, like you said, with his speed, I mean, he's not the fastest guy in the world. And that, and the reason why everyone was really worried about that is because they realized, well, if this is him like out of summer training, then like, what's it going to be like, you know, in March? And well, joke's on you. There's no hockey being played right now. So we don't know what he looks like right in March, but he, he has stayed pretty much the same. He like you, everything you said, like he, this is, he's one of the most, one of the best stories of the season. Like this guy came in 700 grand, stuck around, didn't say one, like not, this doesn't factor into his, uh, his grading or anything, but he, he didn't say one bad thing, leak one bad thing to the media when Mike Babcock was basically begging him to. And that goes that pro- that goes so far in terms of like endearing yourself to the fan base, and that goes so far to endearing yourself to your teammates. Because all of these kids who think that they're getting slighted, they look at this guy who's got you know however many NHL games under his belt, who's who possibly like he could be in the conversation for a hockey hall of fame spot, and and it, this coach is just straight up like goading him into. Uh, like frustration and he doesn't say any a, a single bad word of it at least publicly that means a lot that that really like that solidified me as like Jason Spets is a really good dude no he's handled the situation remarkably well and a lot of people were complaining about how you know they lost some veteran leadership with Patrick Marlowe at the door I see Jason Spezza as just as uh, yeah. solid of a leader as Patrick Marlowe I don't know the I don't think he has the same relationship you know with Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner but the way he conducts himself, the pro he is, they seem to be gravitating to him. I don't see a drop-off there. In fact, I see more leadership in terms of his ability to talk and handle the media and handle that side of the, of the game. And I think that's something that this group needs to learn uh, more about. I think they need to be able to handle themselves a little bit better in those situations sometimes. So uh, I think the, there there's so many factors of him being a, a plus for this group or a plus addition for Kyle Dubas. And I think uh, that area is one that's probably not talked about. But I think just what he's done from a scoring perspective, he's given you more than probably most expected. And he makes, what, $5.5 million less than <clears throat> Patrick Marlowe did and he plays center? Like that, boom, right there. That, that, meet, like that, that goes so far on a capped out team. Yeah, it's not even close for me. Uh, my I have two more B pluses. Ilya Mikheyev is my other one, uh, at least at the forward position. I think it says a lot that the Leafs, Leafs truly did miss this guy, who is this like unknown commodity they picked off the European scrap heap. He hung around the rookie scoring race for a long time after he tore you know the ligaments in his wrist before a big. He almost Panarin did a little bit. 
He almost Panarin did, yeah. Uh, but he has this Zach Hyman quality to him. It was remarkable how soon he seemed to pick up the Keefe scheme. It was almost though he led in that regard in terms of forwards. Uh, I think he became sort of this indispensable uh, part for the Maple Leafs, and they've been truly trying to figure out a way to replace that top six or middle six winger role all year long, it seems, since at least Mikheyev went out. I think he exceeded everyone's expectations. I don't even think that's a question, so I'm giving him a high grade. Yeah, I have him as a B as well, just because in my mind, like he didn't play, he didn't play enough games really to me for me to be able to be like, all right, B plus, like you're you're burgeoning into the A. But like you said, like this guy, think about the the track record of European, you know, free agent signings that the Leafs have had, like you know, Par Lindholm, uh, even Callie Rosen, Andreas Borgman, uh, Nikita Soshnikov, guys like that. Like they haven't worked out. So when Ilya Mikheyev's signing was announced everyone was going ah well this guy could be anything who knows no expectations whatever and he came in and he he literally like this goes to show too what the market in Toronto is like the guy like looked in a camera and said I like soup like once and now he's Canada's official soup officer you know like or it's it's incredible but it really it like it really goes to show that like you the Leafs have missed this guy from the second he went out of the lineup and he's a 25-year-old, you know, quote-unquote rookie playing his first North American hockey. And they like, and the Leaves, a team with Stanley Cup aspirations, this team, are straight up missing him in their top six. Yeah, I think we saw his value after he left more than, you know, while he was still in the lineup. Even though he was sort of a spark plug and, some, and someone who gave the, the Leafs a little bit of life seemingly in most games. It didn't, it didn't seem like he had too many off nights. Uh, my yeah, last... he was... Or sorry, go ahead. I was just say like he never like he did have good nights. I can't remember when he when he ever had like many off nights. He was always just like good. Like you didn't have to worry about him. That's what I liked about him. Yeah, I think you said it best. I mean, the European free agent you've come to expect sort of not much really, especially with mm-hmm. you know the Leafs at least of their uh, recent track record with sort of getting guys that don't really add much. So the fact that he was able to have a huge impact is definitely scores for me. Uh, Justin Hall is the last B plus that I have. He's the, I have four career seasons. Uh, I gave the other three to Matthews Nylander and Zach Hyman. Uh, But I think Justin Hall obviously had a career season uh, among those, at least with NHL experience, even though he doesn't have that much. He just proved that he's an NHL defenseman for sure. I think in recent weeks, he started to show that his ceiling is probably a number five. Uh, But like Mikheyev, I think he led in the transition from Babcock to Keefe. Uh, Hall actually on the back end, I think it was pretty obvious that he was the guy who was sort of helping everyone uh, make that transition from one scheme to the next. So I, I give him props for that, even though it hasn't been, it wasn't pretty, I guess, in the final few weeks before the NHL did put pause on the season. Think about where the Leafs back end would be without Justin Hall. Like, I don't, I shudder to think about that. Like when you, this guy spent 70 games in the press box the year before. And then there, like, at this, at, at any point this season, if he went down with an injury, that would have like dropped an atom bomb on the Leafs' blue line. Like he, he although he has kind of he had tailed off a bit late before the NHL shut down, and and he that was clearly a big you know he he was one of the biggest sort of uh, I guess casualties of Muzzin going down as well because clearly uh, Muzzin helped bring his play up. But Justin Hall has just completely you know bloomed into an NHL player when a lot of people thought this guy's career could be could be over considering what Babcock did to it. Um, yeah, he's 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 a he's a right shot defenseman who signed for 
you know, $2 million moving forward. He can move the puck. Uh, he has a, like he, he doesn't have a ton of offensive upside, but he makes good plays happen when he's on the ice and can handle some some top six competition in spurts. That's all you really need from this guy. Like the Leafs, all the Leafs needed was guys who could play. He's better. Like they needed upgrades over Igor Ojiganov from last year, and I think Justin Hall pretty much proved that. He's a B for me just because of that last little slide. But uh, he could easily be a B plus on if I was feeling it in a different mood on another day. Spezza level maturity too. I think everyone oh, yeah. sort of lauds Justin Hall for handling the situation he did last year and coming back and not letting that affect his performance this year. In fact, it was probably part of the reason that he came back and played so well this year, even though he probably always had that capability to at least serve a role uh, or a role above Martin Marincin at least. His, uh, silen- his silence was probably worth a couple hundred thousand dollars in his contract negotiations when you really think about it. Like, think about it. If, that's true. He- I mean, go ahead. No, go, I was not going to say anything of importance. No, I was just going to say, like, he, he's he's truly a leader. Like, guys look up to him. Travis Dermott will never shut up about how great of a guy Justin Hall is. So I think there were some tenuous moments on that back end, as you alluded to. Uh, and he was he was uh, part of the glue that kept things together. I have two more uh, Bs, straight Bs. Did mm-hmm. we miss anyone? Uh, you have your B-pluses done. Who else do you I, have in the B category? I have two that we haven't mentioned. Okay, go for it. I have two as well. Mitch Marner. Okay. He's a B for me. Um, he could have easily been lower. I, I, I don't think you can, like in my mind, you can't give some, like he's got 67 points in 59 games. Like I can't put him any lower than that considering he's far above the point per game. That's fine. But with everything that he put the team, the fans, everyone through in the in the summer, claiming that he's you know a superstar, he should be being, being paid superstar money. Superstars show up every night. Austin Matthews, although he's, he he has his odd off nights, he's on pretty much every night. And if he's not, you know, firing on all cylinders, he's at, he's at least still one of the best goal goal scorers in the league. Mitch Marner, there there are times this season where you could have told me he was playing, and I would have called you a liar because I didn't notice him at all. This is. Like the numbers are betraying the truth with him. He has not had a good season. He he has 51 assists, which is great. He has 16 goals, which is fine. But if you're making a like 10.893 million dollars, you need to have more. You need to be able to score goals. This guy can't. And if you if you can't score goals, then you better be, have like a Joe Thornton level amount of assists it, from like the the first year after the lockout. And Mitch Marner doesn't. Like he he needs to. He needs to. He he has struggled in this, you know, transition to being one of the leadership group, uh, one of the the cogs in the leadership group. He has an A, and I can think of off the top of my head like four other players on the Leafs who are more deserving deserving of an A than him. He's being play, paid money to be one of the best players in the NHL, and he has been far from that this season. B, and that's might even be generous. I think it's very generous. It's a C plus for me. Uh, it's just not the same, Mitch Marner. Uh, I think. Yeah, where would he tons- go? There's tons of factors playing into that, I think, many of which don't actually have anything to do with hockey. Uh, but the adjustment from entry level to eight figures, as you mentioned, has been significant. You're right. He still put up points, would finish high up in the league race if it weren't for the ankle injury that cost him, uh, I guess it was four weeks or so. Uh, mm-hmm. But the scoring rate, like John Tavares, has dropped, and he's not been a part of the same dominant line like he was wire to wire last season, like John Tavares. Uh, he's simply being judged differently now. And I don't think he's had a great season. I think he's been one of the reasons why the Leafs have had a very poor power play, at least what it seems like recently. Even though the power play does rank pretty well in terms of the entire league, I think it is underperforming of what it could be. And I think he's a main reason why it's underperforming. Uh, I just don't think Marner has had a smooth transition from you know those first three years to this big year. 
not a step forward, a step back. I can't give you big marks for that. He's a C plus for me. Yeah, like there are expectations on his shoulders now. He was this cute kid and everything he kind of did was gravy because he's small. He was he might have got sent back to junior, this and that. And now he's making now he put the team through hell in the summer. And now he's, you know, a, a, taking up a, an eighth of a cap strap team who's supposed to be contending. And he's not performing as well as he should. Like it doesn't you could put up you could stand in front of the net and just have pucks deflect off you in and, and put up, you know, however many points a year and, and go home and cash your paycheck. But Mitch Marner the amount of money that he commanded and he commanded it like he got his he launched a public he lost he launched a PR assault against the Leafs to get the money that they eventually gave him and for him to come up into the next season and perform as anything other than one of the elite elite players in the NHL means that he has not met ex- expectations and I would say he has not even come close to being one of the elite elite players in the NHL he'll have a good flashy play once every five or six games and that's great but I can think of like one game where, where the game was on the line and Mitch Marner came in and stepped up and put the team on his back and won it. And it was the next gen game against Carolina where he just kind of started to become was video game Mitch Marner, which is what a lot of people are, are accustomed to seeing from him. He I don't know where it's gone, like where, where that where that magic has gone, but he it just hasn't been there this season. And hopefully when the world starts spinning again, he gets it back. Yeah, you're right. The Mitch Marner moments were few and far between, it seemed. It he didn't have those those uh those moments that ra- that bring you out of your feet, uh, it seemed like he was just slowly picking up points without being that dominant force and that guy that can change games all by himself. Uh, I just don't. I just think it was an unspectacular season. If it is indeed the end of his season, who else did you have for a B? Uh, for a B, I had Morgan Riley. Okay, uh, um, I, I'll go on Riley. Uh, yeah, go for I it. have him uh, as a C, just like Tavares. Uh, again, it just hasn't been the same Morgan Riley. I think he's was beset with injury troubles and beset with a partnership with Cody Cece for a a large portion of the year and Tyson Berry for another large portion of the year. He seems he was always working at a disadvantage this season. I think that definitely uh, played into the step that he took back. I mean, we were talking about Norris trophy last year. We weren't talking about any of that this year. Uh, Still, you cannot deny how important Riley is to this team, this team and the role that he would play if the Leafs do indeed have an ability or the chance to play down the stretch and into the postseason. I still think he's the most important player maybe on the entire roster, uh, but it just wasn't a good year. So I, I have him right in that middle ground of a, of a C. You know, like, he, again, he, he was not good at the start of the year, but he clearly was dealing with injuries and, and he hasn't played a ton of games. Um, but I, I tend to think the things that you're kind of talking to uh, talk or besetting him against, uh, you know, with uh, the, the CC partnership, the injuries and stuff, I kind of want to factor into us grading him because the fact that he, you know, kept his head above water and still kind of produced a bit offensively, despite the fact that he had Cody CC uh, next to him, despite the fact that he was being hampered with injury. Um, I think that's, I think, you know, that's big. Like that, that, that should earn some Browning points for him. He clearly wasn't the same Morgan Riley the guy, the same Morgan Riley scored 72 points last year. And I think finished like fourth in Norris voting. Like he clearly wasn't that same player, but I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little higher on it because a, you know, again, had to deal with, you know, a literal boat anchor and think about all the other you know, partners that he's had to play with in the past. Like that was CC funny enough was probably his worst. Um, and he still was able to keep his head above water. And also it was, it's a one game sample size, but he came back from injury and he looked like the old Morgan Riley in that one game we got of him before he went, uh, before, you know, everything shut down, he looked better. And I think that trajectory would have, would have kind of changed the course of his season. So B it's like a, it's like a pending B it's like, you know, kind of in the middle, uh, it could be a B minus on another day, but I think I'm going to be, I'm going to be generous to him, give him a B. Okay. What's 
let's go with my B's. I'll start with Pierre Engvall. I have a B. I think there was a bit of a, a slip over the last month, but emerging unexpectedly to play a pretty considerable role for this team. I, I don't think anyone really had him in the plans this year, and he became a pretty significant part of the penalty killing, which seemed to be better with him around. The expectation will obviously change next year because he's signed to a legitimate contract with, you know, the Maple Leafs. And that that is a, you know, one point two five million to play for the Maple Leafs. Uh, the baseline won't be zero, but it was this season. So I'm giving him a B for his efforts just based off that. That's where we differ. Like I had him as a C plus. That's because he essentially disappeared for the last month. Yeah. He was he was one of the great stories. Like he was performing really really well at the start of the year. He was you know putting up he was putting up points, but he was also just looking good. Like he gave that you know that bottom six a little bit of oomph that they needed. And then you could really tell you know their decline was when he essentially like kind of uh, faded into into oblivion. Like they when Pierre Engvall stopped producing, then we started hearing about you know Sheldon Keith met with his bottom six and you know said they needed more out of him and stuff like that and. Uh, yeah, like Pierre Engvall, he he had a, he had a great couple games, but he's never played that much hockey in his career. Um, he's it's one of those things with in the AHL where you're playing, you do play. I think it's 76 games in a season, but most of them are on weekends or there's one game midweek. And a lot of these players, these young players, aren't used to the you know constant, constant you know playing 17 times in 30 days like they did in February. And I think that really wore on Engvall, and he kind of his his play suffered for. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. My other B is Kyle Clifford. I think he's just done his job. I think he's done exactly what they probably expected him to do. Step up when they needed him to step up, whether it's with physicality or from a leadership perspective. Uh, the difference with him in the with Kyle Dubas is that he drove play. This is why they were comfortable getting a guy who has the sort of skill set that Kyle Clifford does. I don't know if he's necessarily proven that. I think it's been difficult for him to settle into a routine with his line mates constantly changing. His numbers, his underlying numbers aren't that great, and it doesn't really prove that he can drive play at least by himself or with another talented or another you know talented depth player, uh, to put it correctly. Uh, but I think for the most part, what they wanted from Kyle Clifford, they've gotten, uh, and for that reason, he gets a decent grade from me. He's a B minus for me, just because I mean, like he hasn't really produced much offense but everything you just said like he's he he's one of those players who like a lot of the time i i call bs on you know he fought and they turned the game but like there are many times where Kyle Clifford has you know the leafs have been down Kyle Clifford has dropped the gloves with someone showed players on the team that like that you this is possible you can do this and it is kind of at least given them a spark and his he is he is 
you know, rubbed off on Kasper Kapanen too. Uh, in terms of that, because like, you know, Kapanen became s- somewhat of a goon when, uh, you know, went, went since Clifford took over. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I could, again, like he could, he could be a B on a good day for me, but I think that, you know, he's the things that he's done, um, don't really warrant anything above a B minus for me. But again, like he's been a great, uh, he's been a great signing or a great trade, um, target. I don't know. Whatever the word is, acquisition. Yeah. There we go. And uh, and I wouldn't. I you know, if it was for relatively the same amount of money he's getting paid right now, I wouldn't hate them re-signing him in the off season as long as no. the term was right. Do you have any more B minuses we haven't talked about yet? This one's gonna 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 surprise you a little bit because it might be more generous. And I've gotten on this guy a lot, but Tyson Berry's a B minus for me. Wow, did not yeah. expect that. I feel like I feel like this is gonna be our biggest gap in uh, in rating. A, Other he is a C minus for me. Wow. Okay. Well. Again, I look at the numbers and I think like Tyson Berry is right now fifth in Leaf- in team scoring on the Leafs. He's got 39 points in 70 games. There was that stretch where everyone was injured and all and he was playing, you know, heavy minutes and he at least kept the ship afloat. He has not had a good season. Um he has been a disappointment in terms of a uh, a trade target and he and those point shots really are a problem and they're still a problem and I would give anything to get mad about Tyson Berry's point shots right now considering everything that's going on but uh I think that you know with that with those numbers and with the fact that he did kind of keep the keep the boat afloat uh when everyone was injured I, I got to be a little generous to him so I gave him a B minus but I have a feeling you're going to make a more compelling case as to why he's uh, lower for you I mean I was considering a D uh, Whoa! The, be, but I gave him a C minus because of the points. Uh, listen, he was supposed to be a luxury, and he ended yeah. up being the guy that sort of muddled up the entire situation on the back end when everyone was healthy. He was he has not been the dominant power play quarterback at all. I mean, he's playing with some of the most talented players in the world, and he his points are kind of pedestrian. They're pedestrian compared to other other seasons he's had. Granted, you know Nathan McKinnon has played with him on previous power plays, so that's definitely a thing. But there is as much talent with the Leafs top power play as there is in Colorado. And he hasn't filled the net in that regard. His warts have been very apparent. They've been, they haven't ha- figured out a way to hide them at all. He hasn't been a threat in transition at all. That's one thing I really expected is him to join the rush and be a factor there. He's just had the opportunity to rack up points and hasn't taken it. Uh, and the fact that he was being shopped at the deadline is remarkable given the possibilities that seem to be there when they first signed Tyson Berry. So for me, he's a massive disappointment. He is always going to be compared to Nazem Kadri. And as we as we you know watch the trajectory of Nazem Kadri's career, I just think it was a huge mistake and he has not lived up to ex- expectations. Yeah, like the expectations are the main thing here. He has, he has been an abject disappointment in that regard. And it is... He plays into, I think, uh, I don't know if, if this is super accurate, but like the way, the way that he plays has kind of revealed a troubling thing with the Leafs in that like he has this pattern of actions that he does on the ice of these things, like the point shots, for example, that everyone's figured out, everyone's re- kind of realized, and he never sta- strayed away from it. He just kept doing it. And that's what a lot of other Leafs do. You know, the cap and curl and, 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 like the street down the wing curl and, and go back uh, the Mitch Marner pass when you should be shooting and shoot when you should be passing, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and Tyson Berry's the greatest offender. Like those point shots directly cost the Leafs one of the games they played at least one off the top of my head. And that was the Habs game like directly. Yeah. Um, it was, you're right. But at the same time, he was, he was there to like, he, when Muzzin and Riley were out, he was logging 25 minutes a night and keeping the Leafs afloat and giving them something that they needed. And I think that, that, 
is worth something here. Like, although he's never going to be, you know, the number one, I don't think they ever thought that he was going to be a number one, but he's never going to be that. But he did help them at least kind of, you know, uh, bridge the gap there. Although, to be fair, I don't think anyone um, in the NHL this season has cost themselves more money in free agency than Tyson Berry has. No, he's going to be, uh, and again, he probably would have had a chance to recoup some of that with, you know, the, the team getting healthy. Maybe he could be a little bit more of himself because he didn't have to play those 25 minutes against, you know, top competition. Maybe in the postseason he can, when all eyes are, in, are on him or more eyes are on him, he can sort of, you know, show out a little bit better. But it, it just wasn't his year, and it, you're right, it's going to cost him. Uh, I'll go to my B-minuses. Casperi uh, Kapanen, I think I probably will have him ranked a little bit higher than you. I have him as a B-minus. It probably would have been a far lower grade if he didn't seem to, you know, see the light in the last month or so, but I think he really did show the best of him in recent weeks. And I think recency bias is probably playing into that a little bit for me. Uh, He did have his struggles this season, failing in a top six role to start the year, hiccups under Sheldon Keith to start, seemed to stall him a little bit, but I think he's found his right spot and I think he's found a way for him to contribute. And I I think that's a good thing for moving forward and probably a good thing just, just for this season to define yourself, to realize what you can do and how you can be effective. For that reason, I'm probably giving him a little bit more of a a higher grade than I should. Uh, But again, I think I I like what he's done lately and and what he can be. I have him as a C plus, so it's not too crazy. Um, And I think, I think that, that, you know, recent uptick in his play has really helped in terms of uh, rankings on my side. But he just he like disappeared in the middle of the season like there was I think it wasn't didn't he have like two goals in 20 in 23 games or something in the middle of the season at one point like he just like I for a player as talented as that and the fact that he couldn't slide into that top six role when you kind of needed him to which is then you're kind of starting to call his contract into question because he's making I think it's 3.2 million and if you can't slide into that role and you're making 3.2 million how valuable of a you know three million dollar third liner are you um but He's in in recent games up until when everything shut down, he showed that speed. He showed a willingness to change up his breakaway moves, which is a big thing. He showed some more snarl. He was hitting, he was fighting, he was being an agitator. So adding another aspect to his game, um, which brought him up. But this is like, this is a disappointing season for Casper Kapanen. He had a chance to really kind of launch and he was on one of the best lines in hockey to start the season. And he didn't take that opportunity. And you can't kind of grade him. You can't grade his full season without also factoring in, the suspension too, the team suspension like this was if we're talking about like Mitch Marner might have struggled a lot on the surface of transitioning from there's now expectations on his shoulders I think Casper Kapanen struggled the most of any player on the Leafs this year in terms of you're not just a kid anymore you have to start taking this seriously this is your job and I think he got a wake-up call and he'll never do that again but if we're grading his season on the whole you can't ignore that and for that he's he doesn't break into the B categories for me anyone else you have in the B's uh, Rasmus Sandin got a yeah, B minus. He's a B minus for me as well. That might be the first one we've actually had right on. Look at, uh, we had Zach Hyman A pluses too, didn't we? There you go. There you yeah. go. First and Simon. There we go. Uh, yeah. I, lights out start for him. He's faded when the workload has become more than probably he should be taking on. Uh, but one positive with the pause season is that the Leafs will save a UFA year on him. However, the entry level clock is obviously ticking and they're not going to get anything for, for that. Uh, but you know what? I think he, uh, it was trial by fire a little bit. 
Uh, he, he took on a lot this year. He showed what he could do at the start. Now he's got a, you know, one more year of, of seasoning or at least growing in the gym uh, and with the team next year at training camp and hopefully from the start, Rasmus Sandin showed he's going to be a really important player for this team. Uh, and even though, you know, there was some there was some tough times, obviously, for this uh, for this uh, not a teenager anymore, but teenager for most of it. Yeah, he uh, it's like Pierre Engvall, like he's he's never been used to playing that much hockey, at least in that in that sort of short amount of time. You could definitely tell the wear of the schedule and the wear of the expectations kind of like kind of really wore on him and he's 20 right now he was 19 for most of the season like he's a he's a blue liner who stepped up he's exceeded most expectations and it, this was a, a sense of you know he made a couple good plays in his first game and everyone was like oh here he is you know rookie of the year candidate best rasmus in the atlantic let's go and i think we need it was it was on us to kind of temper that and i don't think we did a good job of that so he's a b minus and i think this will probably be the lowest he'll ever grade for us move, doing these at the end of the season moving forward because he's got a really bright future and he's i'm i'm so excited to see what he's going to do for the least moving forward my last b minus is callie rosen really hey he stepped in immediately quietly did a nice job for this team at a at a pretty important time and when things were score, going a little haywire at least on the back end I'm not sure how I can't give him a decent grade, even though he has the smallest of sample sizes for the Leafs. Yeah, we have the same grade. Like, he's a B-minus for me, too. You know, that that's the... He's, he was fine. He stepped in. He did exactly what he needed to do uh, at short notice. There's, you know, the team clearly likes him. He, he clearly likes the... Or the organization clearly likes him. He clearly likes the organization. You know, there there's no downside to having him there. Okay, you want to start up with a C-plus that uh, we haven't mentioned yet? Frederick Anderson. Wow. I did not expect to rank him lower than you. Really? I was expecting to get a bunch of crap from you about this because you, you've been the Freddie's fine. No goaltending controversy uh, wagon, but okay. He, this has been a bad year for Frederick Anderson. He almost sunk the team in the middle of the season. And uh, I'm, I'm only giving him a C plus because he, he had that one great month where he was like a 937. And I kind of expect better from him, but like he was the Leafs biggest problem for a very long time. And, Again, like I would go, I would give anything to debate goaltending with with someone as being the, the you know the biggest stressor in my life right now. But he, uh, like going into his fight, going into his contract year uh, next season, if there is a next season, um, the, he he has to he has he's in a prime uh, position to have to bounce back. Like he has this was it wasn't just a bad stretch. A lot of people were categorizing it as oh he's just having a down a little bit. You know how Frederick is is you know ups and downs and he always evens out. No, like he, the bad months out, far outweighed the good months for Frederick Anderson. And there's and they had to go out and get Jack Campbell. It was mainly Michael Hutchinson that forced them to do that. But they had to go out and get Jack Campbell to kind of steady the fort. And Campbell almost took Frederick Anderson's job. So you, for a guy who's supposed to be your un, you know, your unabashed number one guy, that's a disappointment all around. Still don't believe they were ever going to give the job to Jack Campbell. But for Frederick Anderson, this was the worst season of his career from a statistical standpoint. I mean, you can't really deny the fact that he fell short of expectations. And for that reason, he's a C- minus for me. Uh, one other thing with him is that the adjustment under Keefe was a big storyline this year. It wasn't as big of an adjustment, I think, as people as maybe people think the players were going through. Uh, but it was a change in, in which the way the Maple Leafs played. But it seemed to be more significant for Anderson than anyone else when it shouldn't be significant at all for him. It seemed like he was unhappy with the way he was uh, being, you know, 
protected at, at times. I think there was a bit of an issue with him sort of getting from, you know, getting from Babcock to Keefe and feeling comfortable in his new in his new surroundings. And it shouldn't have been that way. It doesn't seem like your job is just to stop the puck. He didn't stop the puck at a rate that compared to his previous seasons. And for that reason, he gets uh, a grade of a C minus for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, C minus. Wow. Okay. Uh, you know what? Like, again, I can't argue with that too much. Like he's, you know, he, the, the cracks showed in his armor. Like he was always steady Freddie. He was always the guy you can kind of count on to be the backbone. And the thing with him is that like you expected him to play out of his mind all the time because of how bad the Leafs defense were. And if we're going to do it in terms of like it relative to how his normal play is, he didn't play spectacularly and the Leafs crumbled. Like it wasn't, he like you could, you can make an argument that the defense was bad and like they, they gave him, they set him up for, you know, for no success and that's fine. But the, the Leafs defense has been just as bad, if not worse in years past. And Anderson has still been a nine eighteen or whatever. And this series like a nine Oh six that, that matters that, that shows that there was a drop here. He, yeah, he, he, he's dead. He doesn't deserve to be in the B's for sure. And you know, he's, he's creeping on, on the D's in, in your way. So, Wow. Um, for any, me, any, any more C pluses? Yeah, I put Kerfoot as a C plus um, yeah. and Angval, but like we already went over Angval Kerfoot. I mean, like, look, he's been a disappointment. I expected more from him. I expected 40 points. I expected to be a decent center. He hasn't, but he looked better as a 3C. Um, he's given decent. He doesn't hurt the team. You know, he, he's given a little bit of offense there. Uh, he's part of that good, you know, Nylander, uh, Tavares, Kerfoot line for a little bit. Uh He's he's a very unspectacular hockey player, and to make three point five million dollars a year, that's definitely overpaid. And I think you could get you could I think you could find a guy for league minimum that could match his his production this season or his value. So yeah, I I don't really have too much to say about Alex Kerfoot. He just hasn't been a very good player this year. Yeah, I don't have much that much to say either. Uh, I just don't think he's been who the Leafs who he or he is who the Leafs thought he was. And if he is who the Leafs thought he was, then they were foolish to make that deal. Yeah. Uh, this isn't a player that is anywhere close to the talent of Nazem Kadri. What what the thing is with Kerfoot is he has a really tough time putting his stamp on the game. Like he's just oh, kind of yeah. he's just kind of out there, right? And I think that's reflected in the fact that the coaching staff just hasn't found a home for him. He's he's floating around the top six. He's I know they've liked him at certain points and not at all at certain points, but. They haven't found an area where he can just uh, be a consistent factor. He just has a tough time making it known that he's, you know, someone that's going to have an influence on the game. Uh, and for that reason, he's just sort of waffling in the C category for me. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of those players where if he's not on top of his game, he becomes forgettable like that, like so, so quickly. Like his his like sort of neutral gear is like a player who you could – you know, gun to your head, say, did Kerfa play that night? And you wouldn't be able to, you'd die. Yeah. It's just not acceptable for three and a half million. No, absolutely not. Um, let's go into the C's now. I got, I got one more C plus. Oh, okay. Who is it? Marty Marinchin. Marv. <sighs> All right. Okay, okay. So, okay. This is, this is who Marv is. He's the eighth defenseman as we've, you know, best job in hockey that we've put, you know, we've, we've put him in that slot. Listen, he stepped in and played decent minutes at a desperate time. He has no responsibility. Like, there's nothing hinges on Marv at all. It, it did at a certain point. And it did, Power, and, he did and he did okay. He scored a big goal. They actually had some wins when he was in the lineup. There's no, really, there's no need really to praise him or slam him. So I put him right in the middle as someone who just did his job 
in his job is someone who usually is just, you know, shooting on practice goalies. Yeah, he's a C for me, and I put in brackets the goal is the only thing keeping him from a C minus. He just is like such an unspectacular player, and I know that not a lot hinges on him, but he just like he just showed like uh, again like we, we he has a great he has a great job. He gets paid to be basically like a, a taxi squad guy, a fan almost a kind of a professional fan. Gets to work out with the Leafs, practice with them, watch games in a box. That's great, but like he just. I think his his impact on the game is is in a negative sense. Like I think he I think he, he I don't think he adds any positive value, um, and he's just kind of taken up a spot. And I just can't, in good conscience, have a guy who just takes up a spot who is just a body on the ice, um, save for that one sort of highlight real goal. That if Austin Matthews scored that goal, we'd be going ho hum. But it's Martin Brinson, so it's you know it's great. Uh, I just can't, in conscience, have him pushing up on even the B category as a C plus. So he's a C for me. But at the end of the day, it's Martin Marincin. doesn't really matter. Yeah, I might have been a little too generous. I just looked. He played 26 games, which surprised me. I thought he only played, you know, around the 10 mark. So the fact that he played more games and really didn't do anything in 26 games other than that goal. Yeah, 26 games. And just treading water, really. uh, Probably a little bit generous on my part. But, you know, I'm a Marv guy, so. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, Other C... You don't don't have any more... C uh, pluses are just straight C's, do you? I have one more C. Okay, who is it? Fre- uh, it's Frederick Gauthier. Yeah, same uh, I, same grade. I, again, he's he is what he is, and he is who he is this year. Uh, he scored, I think, a career high in goals. I might be wrong, uh, but Let you know check. what? He just kind of he just kind of did what he did does, and it's not anything spectacular. It's it's uh, quite frustrating for fans at times that he is a continuous you know not pillar, but someone who's always in this lineup. Uh, but I think from a year to year standpoint, he was a little bit better this year, and improving on what you did last year has been a pretty significant piece of criteria for me. So I put him right in the middle at a C as someone who just sort of did what he does. Yeah, you know, Frederick Gauthier is a C for me too, but he's one of those players where he just frustrates me every time I watch because I go, you are huge. You have physical gifts that anyone would kill for on this team and you don't use them. Like he goes out and he, he, doesn't, he doesn't hit. Like I know he's a great guy and he likes puzzles and that's awesome. I'd keep him around literally. Like people call Mitch Marner the team dog. I'd put Frederick Gauthier the team dog because he's great. He's the most wholesome guy on the planet. But the guy just straight up doesn't throw hits. Like he, he's, he's six foot five. He's a monster. That's his size is probably one of the only reasons that's kept him in the NHL for this long. And he doesn't use it. And to me, I just find like, if you're not going to use that size, what else do you bring to the table? And it's, you know, he has seven goals this year and that's more than double his highest previous total, which is three. Uh, what else does he provide? So yeah, see, he's, he's the most, you know, ho-hum C middle of the road C you could possibly give. Uh, I don't know, like, I don't know what his future is going to be like here because uh, can you not find someone else who gives, you know, on the, on a relatively same contract who gives you more value? I think you can. So yeah, he's a C for me. It almost seems like he's destined for the Marty Marincin treatment. If he is willing to accept that, I don't think he's a guy who's dying for the greatest possible hockey scenario. Maybe he's more about the life scenario, which is he can just continue to be a guy who sort of plays at the depths or the margins of the Maple Leafs uh, lineup and, you know, uh, structure throughout its its teams and its hierarchy. So uh, he just doesn't seem like a guy who's going to punch through anything more than what he is. Uh, and the fact that he achieved what, you know, we expected him to achieve is probably telling of his season. I have one more C okay. left, and that's Travis Dermott for me. Okay. I gave him a D plus. 
Um, I can see why you do that. I think that he has played a lot better. He played a lot better until the league shut down. Um, I think that he seemed to be coming into his own until until everything kind of went away. Um, but he this was this has been a massively disappointing season for Travis Dermott. Like he had a chance. Think, like think he'll never get a better chance on the Leafs right now. Where in terms of the left side to to have a the, he'll never get a better chance to establish himself on the left side. Like he, like he missed his opportunity now. The Leafs have Riley for next year. They have Muzzin locked up, and they'll probably have Sandine. And where does Dermot, Dermot fit in here? He had an opportunity when Riley went down to step up and show that he's ready for those extra minutes and kind of complicate that and advocate for himself, and he did pretty much the opposite. Um, and, it, like, although we can say, yes, like, he was injured and he came out, you know, he, he, he came back at the same time relatively as Hyman, and, you know, not everyone can bounce back as quick as Hyman can. Uh, at a certain point, like, you got to kind of get it together, and he didn't only until really around the end of the season. So um, I didn't feel right kind of putting him in the, in the Ds just because I, he did have that good stretch to kind of round things out, and he plays a, an important part, and he had some value there, but, the, you know, I'm, I'm being generous with him. Yeah, as you mentioned, just clearly not able to transition from the training table to the ice the same way Zach Hyman did. It's just the no growth thing. It wasn't it wasn't a step forward, and he's the of the age and of the level in his development where you have to be taping taking steps forward in order to establish establish yourself as a legitimate NHL player. Uh, it might be a little bit of a harsh rating. The D plus I gave. Uh, he just didn't take the step, though, uh, even if it seemed as though he was building to that late in the year. Maybe it's the thing is that he needs opportunity to show what he's capable of. And the opportunity that he got in the last month was that of a top four defenseman. And we saw the best Travis Dermott then. So, uh, uh, you know, you can't just hand out, you know, uh, more expect or more responsibilities and more workload to a guy that hasn't earned it. Uh, but maybe that's a good sign for the future because maybe it's just taken him a really long time to feel like himself and to feel like he can make an impact to this team because the first few months were just simply sort of a waste. Yeah, he, you can kind of write them off. And he's also going to be probably the most head-scratching RFA negotiation that they have once those things open because what yeah. do you pay this guy? If there's a silver lining, he doesn't have much bargaining power. Yeah, um, I think we're all go- we go into the D's now, I guess. He was a D plus for me, so I oh. only I've only got D's left. Obviously, uh, I'll let yeah, you same. I'll let you start with your D plus. D plus, Andreas Janssen. Yeah, I got him D plus as well. Yeah, uh, you know he he looked okay at certain points, but this was like a shell of himself. And and I mean, like you take his whole season into account. He's been injured three separate times with leg injuries, you know, but. He just, I mean, a guy is making three point four million a year. Uh, he just, he just did not perform well. He kind of vanished at certain points, uh, you know. And his the thing, if you you take out Mikheyev and the everything crumbles. You take out Janssen, and no one really brings him up in, in terms of a player the Leafs are missing. That kind of that's a damning indictment on you know what he what his season has been on the whole. So this was a this was a rough season for Janssen. Uh, uh, I don't know kind of where he goes from here because, you know, he's 25, going to be turning 26. Uh, if the Leafs think that this is the best that he will be, then you might be best in shipping him out and finding someone who's a bit cheaper. Because if the cap stays flat, like it might due to all the sh- all the shutdowns and everything, yeah, they're going to need some space. And Janssen is the most inessential guy, maybe outside of Kerfoot, that they have. Or even Kerfoot can play center. So Janssen's the most inessential guy that they have out there. Uh, that he might be the- He might be the guy on the way out next. Yeah, same thing, uh, D+, plus, same as Dermot, just no growth, right? Uh, and the thing... Almost the a regression. The difference, and and the difference with Dermot is, and why he might be, he should be a D for me instead of a D+, plus, 
is that he's no longer found money. He's no longer the guy making very little money. Suddenly he was tethered to some expectations by making the amount of money that he's making. And for a variety of reasons, injuries uh, and, and other reasons and, and reasons that we don't know of, uh, he just failed to deliver on them. So you're right. Uh, it would be a sell low scenario if they did got re- did get rid of Andreas Janssen. But with cap space being so valuable, uh, just getting rid of Janssen might be a a direction that they go because the cap isn't going to isn't going to grow the way people expected it to be and if they have they have a, a reason or a need to get rid of money the guy who was outplayed by Ilya Mikheyev Pierre Engvall maybe as well uh it, it, he might be the guy that just sort of uh, proves that he was in fact dispensable this year yeah, like he's like what Janssen proved aside from like he could have proven himself this year as like a keep not a key piece of the core, but like a guy that you keep around a really good sort of supporting cast guy. And instead, he he kind of established himself as probably the most expendable player on the, in the roster. Like he was like you could like again, he, he got taken out of the lineup and no one really noticed like no one really like his his impact was not missing. Whereas Mikheyev, everyone's like, oh, man, it sucks. He's not here. Janssen, it's like, oh, yeah, Andreas Janssen plays for the Leafs. I forgot about that. It, uh, it, it was a regression from him on, on his part this year. And we can give him sort of like the caveat of injuries because he was injured a lot. But I don't know if he's going to get the chance to prove himself back, at least in a Leaf uniform. It's interesting. Uh, I guess we'll go to, do you have any Ds? I have, well, I only have two more players left. So maybe are, you graded more. Who are more. players left? Did we, uh, I only have two players left as well. Okay, so they're probably the same. They're the players we haven't mentioned yet. So I have one D, D plus left. Okay, uh, I have uh, two D minuses left, so oh. you can start with the D plus. I I graded this player as a D plus because I wanted the player who I graded as a D minus to be like I wanted it to hit harder. Okay. Okay. So I, I graded Dennis Mulligan as a D plus. Oh, I forgot about Mulligan. Oh wait, who's the who did I forget then? Uh, I rated Timoshev because I oh thought, I did the I same thought, thing. I thought you wanted to rip on him, so I I, I do too. Him. We can do that if you want. Like he's. Oh, I can't believe Mulgan. I forgot Dennis Mulgan. Uh, I'll give him a D plus as well. Go on. Yeah. And I'll, I'll think of uh, what I think about Dennis while you're talking. The fact that you forgot about Dennis Mulgan kind of sh- like that's that's your analysis. Yeah, that's true. I'll just leave it at that. He does like does nothing like this. Like he had a good first game where it looked like, oh, he's speedy. He can do some stuff. And then after that, it was like nothing. I don't know where he went. Like he he's on the ice. I have I have the stat sheets to prove it. But you, you could fool me. Like, the guy doesn't score. He doesn't hit. He he doesn't, uh, like, I guess he, he has good possession, but he does it in, like, eight minutes a night. Like, all right, cool, man. Like, that's that's fine. I don't, they might keep him a, I feel like this, he's a he's a player who the Leafs would probably keep around, like, on a cheap RFA deal because he's RFA this summer just because, you know, he, he, he kind of fits the that mold of Dubas where he's, you know, he's a small, speedy guy. He's got some skill, good possession numbers. We'll keep him around. He, he'll be the forward Martin Marincin for years to come. But, mm. Other than that, like there's no that that's the best thing I can say about him is that you know he he's performed better at the NHL level than Mason Marchment. Yeah, I was pretty hopeful in that first game where when he debuted, he played with John Tavares and William Nylander, I believe. Just seemed like he knew what he was doing in the offensive zone. He had some ability just to, just to facilitate for those guys and to keep the cycles rolling a little bit. Uh, but when he was playing in a bottom six role, boy, he could not make an impact at all. It was like he was invisible on the ice and and. There's no way he's going to be playing in a top six role when this team is at its full health or close to its full health. So 
uh, Dennis Mulligan has to prove that he can do something without, in the absence of uh, top-end talent. And in his very brief period with the Leafs, he did not prove that he could do that. Yeah. And I guess outside of Timishov, there's only one more player left. Cody Ceci. Yep. A, okay, so let's go with the uh, let's go with the rating first. I have him as a D minus. I have him a D minus too. I thought you'd fail someone, and I wasn't going to fail anyone because I wanted to be the nicer guy. But he could have easily been failed. Yes, he could have. This this was a disaster. It a was disaster. a it was a failure acquiring yes. him uh, because he was completely miscast. Uh, he was exactly the player that most people online expected him to be. Uh, There's no getting around the fact that paying him $4.5 million was a misuse or a poor use of resources. And the Maple Leafs seemed to pay for that decision the entire year. Yeah. The, like it goes, it it goes a long way that, you know, they got, they they took on CC to get out of the five years that were left on Nikita Zaitsev's contract. And it goes with, and like, it goes a long way to say that, like, I don't know if that was like, it was a worthwhile gamble, but like not by much. Like it's, uh, he he's been an abject disaster. He doesn't add any value to the team. He doesn't hit. He doesn't score. He doesn't defend. He doesn't even like the thing that the, the nail in the coffin for me. And I know this was a long time coming, but a, the nail in the coffin for me with Cody Cece was the last game uh, against Tampa when uh, it was the last game before everything shut down. Where a guy straight up, I think it was Kalorn, it might have been someone else, straight up popped a squat on Frederick Anderson's head. They decided to just sit down, and Cody Cece did nothing about it. Like, if you're not going to at least give the guy the old, you know, not even, like, at least pretend, if you're not going to at least pretend that you care, pretend that that makes you mad, that a guy is, is basically teabagging your goalie, then what else are you going to do? Like, what else do you bring? What else, what other, why are you taking up a jersey on the le- on on the team? Uh, what Like, irregardless of the fact that you're getting paid $4.5 million a year to do it, like, what does he provide? I, uh, like, the, the fact that the best thing I can say about Cody Cece's contract is that he's in the UFA at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the tenure is probably uh, going to be over. Uh, I think the era. Every, every Leaf fan will hope that the uh, the era is over. It will be hilarious and interesting uh, to see exactly what happens at a free agency because someone will be convinced that that package that he has and those skills that it looks like he has, those practice player intangibles that he has, will translate to something meaningful on the ice. But as the Leafs learned, that was not, in fact, in the cards. You just know, you just know, like the Anaheim Ducks or the uh, Edmonton Oilers, or someone's gonna give him a, con- a show me contract and think, you know, he's big. He's a former first round pick. We're gonna, we're gonna be the guys to rebuild him. Back to Ottawa. DJ Smith can turn any defenseman into a meaningful contributor. He did right. it to Ron Hainsey, so there you go. He's done it. Good track record. Now that was a lot. Or are we gonna do it at Timashov? Did you fail Timashov? I, I I had him as uh, I had him as a D minus in. Uh, yeah, he's a D minus for me too. But he's not on the team anymore. He's but not on like, the team anymore, but he you can't fail him because he lasted longer than anyone could have possibly expected. I just like I just keep going through in my mind the role playing exercise of being Kyle Dubas and having Timishov walk into your office and demand a trade. Like how far down the list of priorities do you think Kyle Dubas or do you think that uh, Demir Timishov was on for Kyle Dubas? Like how far think about all the things he's got to do. He's got to commit tax fraud every day to keep the team from being, you know, cap compliant. And then this guy who like shouldn't have, he was a AHL healthy scratch a calendar year ago, walks into your office. He plays three minutes a night and he goes, Hey, I want to trade. I, I would have told him to get out of here. Like I got, I got big, I got my lunch order coming and that's more important than this. The gall. Unbelievable. The, the sheer, yeah. The sheer audacity. Well, you know what we could do? 
what we're, what? We were, we're desperate for uh obviously things to talk about we could do a countdown of best moments and maybe Dimitro Timoshov storming the offices of Kyle Dubas even though it is only something that exists in our mind or at least the you know the details of it only exist in our mind but maybe when we count down the best moments or do something around that we can inc- in- include Dimitro Timoshov's uh brazen trade request right in there as well honestly you gotta respect the cojones on the guy for doing that I respect it respect everything about his season Respect the hustle. Except his uh, his uh, decision on when and when not to shoot the puck. That was always an issue. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, that we've reached the end. So obviously, as I just sort of alluded to, we're going to be trying to come up with uh, ways to be at least entertaining or uh, informative based on you know what we've seen this season and what we might see moving forward. It will be newsy at points. Hopefully, we can do fun things when we're not you know str- uh, you know sort of confined to the COVID-19 news and how that affects the NHL and the NHL potentially coming back. So we'll come up with more ideas. Uh, you know, maybe we'll do some rewatching. Uh, maybe we'll figure some uh, some other things out, whether it's listicles or just moments or stuff that we can go back to. But uh, we will try to come up and be as creative as we possibly can be uh, because we need to get through this together, don't we? Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're going to get through this together. We're going to get through it. Um, if you've listened this long, wash your hands, stay inside. Don't be like the people at spring break. Uh, like just be safe, be happy, be healthy, try and kind of distance yourself and, and, and relax. Uh, because this is, you know, about, this is about other people's health. Sometimes not yours. We got to look out for the people who are most vulnerable. And that, if that means staying inside and playing video games all day or working from home, it's a small price to pay. So until either Gary Bettman or Bill Daly, uh, you know, provides its next update, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you then, I guess. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.